off in fear the day We'd find the soldiers breaking through To drag us all away And just before the sunrise I heard something at the wall The gate began to rattle And a voice began to call So I hurried to the window I looked down into the street Expecting swords and torches and the sound of soldiers' feet. But there was no one there but Mary, so I went down to let her in. John stood there beside me as she told me where she'd been. She said they've moved him in the night, and none of us knows where. The stone's been rolled away, and now his body isn't there. So we all ran toward the garden. But the winding sheet they wrapped him in was just an empty shell. And how where they'd taken him was more than I could tell. Something strange had happened there, but just what I didn't know. John believed a miracle, but I just turned to go. Circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high. Cause I'd seen them crucify him And I saw him die Back inside the house again The guilt and anguish came Everything I'd promised him Added to my shame When at last it came the choices I didn't I knew his name alive, it wouldn't be the same. But suddenly the air was filled with a strange and sweet perfume. Light that came from everywhere drove shadows from the room. And Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. And I fell down on my knees and I just clung to him. me to my feet and as I looked into his eyes love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies guilt and my confusion disappeared in sweet relief and every fear I'd ever had just melted into Forget.
good Easter morning, everybody. I hope everybody's up with their Easter pajamas on and a cup of coffee in your hand. Uh, I tell you, it's uh, it's been a struggle. It's tough. Not having everybody here. get through this since uh, Thursday night when I left I've had a hard time trying to prepare for this and it wasn't until sometime yesterday after lunch that the Lord actually laid something on my heart and of course we'll be over in Matthew 28 that's a, a given but it's been it's been tough. I've I've uh, I've let the the flesh get in the way this week. Just uh, I don't know. It's just it's been tough tough week. Not and knowing not that uh, when we get to come back together. So we're going to get through this this morning and uh, just pray that the Lord would uh, deal in our hearts at home. And uh, I just I just pray that we can not think about what's going on outside the church walls today and just focus on him today like we ought to any, any other day but really focus on him today and uh and just pray that uh we'll have a, a spirit-filled service this morning uh we are going to be over in matthew 28 we'll be over uh when we get there to read matthew 28 we'll read the verse that uh, first 10 verses together but i i was as i was studying yesterday I got thinking, when we woke up this morning, every one of us should have had this on our heart. This is it. This is it. This is it right now. This is the day that every one of us as Christians, we, we wait on this. Uh, to me, this is the most exciting time of the year. You know, Christmas is okay. Easter's great. Easter, this is the day that we have set aside to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. This is the day of victory. This is the day of rejoicing. This is a day of celebration for us. This is a day of defeat. This is a day that is unlike any other day that is on our calendar. This is a day for us that there's no other religion like us because of this day, because we have a risen Savior. So there is no other day like this. So I am so excited this morning to, to even just get to preach about this and about my Jesus, and about him not being in that tomb, about him not being dead. This is an exciting day for each one of us, and you want to know why? It's because he is alive. He is alive. I love that song that Tally sung. I think they, they do it better justice than, uh, than Dolly Parton and, and the Gaither Vocal Band. I'd love to hear it. But it's because he is alive. That's why we celebrate today. It's not We're not celebrating the death. We're not celebrating the crucifixion. We're celebrating today the resurrection of my Jesus Christ. I love it. There's a, a preacher that said this one time. Uh, I'm going to read it. This guy, he died back in 1903. But he said, the resurrection is not merely important to the Christian faith. Without, without it, there would be no Christianity. It is the singular doctrine that elevates Christianity above all other world religions. Through the resurrection, 
Christ demonstrated that he does not stand in line of peers with Abraham, Buddha, or Confucius. He is utterly unique. He has the power not only to lay his life down, but to take it up again. I thought that was pretty good. If you got your Bibles open, Matthew 28, we're going to read verses 1 through 10 this morning. Matthew 28, verse 1 through 10. It says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where, he, where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher which, or with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hell! And they came and helped, or held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall be, or there shall they see me. Let's pray. Father, this morning, again, we are extremely thankful that uh, through technology we're still able to get the gospel out father this morning we can lord we can preach lord we can have a time with you lord and i pray that this morning in each home that's represented that we're doing just that god i pray that uh, they got up this morning with uh, the resurrection on their heart lord i pray that they got up this morning rejoicing knowing that you're no longer in that tomb, Lord, that you are alive and well on the right side of the Father, Lord. You're sitting on that throne, Lord, and you're, you're just antsy waiting to, to get up and, and come receive your bride. God, I pray that this morning that we'd honor you, that we'd exalt you, Lord. I pray this morning that all that we do inside these church walls and inside these homes, Lord, it would just glorify your name. Lord, we can't thank you enough for laying down your sweet life for us. Lord, we can't thank you enough for just tarrying a little while there in the tomb. Lord, we can't thank you enough, God, for allowing that, st that stone to be rolled away, Lord, so that you could step out and those people could step in and just see how empty that tomb really is. Lord, we thank you for just borrowing that tomb. And we pray, Lord, today, again, that we would honor you in all that's said and done. All in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. So this morning we are going to be looking at that resurrection. But before the resurrection day happened, there was some other experiences Jesus had that we need to remember. There's a lot that took place, and we talked about it a little bit Thursday night. There's a lot that took place with Jesus just starting on Thursday night. Um, and then there was a lot that took place from Thursday night and through Friday morning and all day Friday up to the crucifixion on Friday night, Friday evening. This morning we're going to look at four of them. The first thing, the crucifixion was an agonizing display of cruelty. I mean agonizing display of cruelty. I, I, I remember, I think, it's either the first or second Easter that I was here. I remember really getting into detail about the crucifixion and just how gory it really is. And uh, we're not going to get into that, but I'm going to read you over in Luke uh, 23, 33. It says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left hand. 
There was a lot that took place that day. And it was, and again, it was agonizing. It was painful, the things that he had to go through. And it was not just the crucifixion. The crucifixion was, was bad. I mean, it, I mean, just think about having big old, almost like railroad spikes, driven into your wrist and then putting your feet together and having those same spikes, having the same spike uh, nailed through your feet. That was agonizing enough, but the things that took place uh, during or right after the trial where they beat him and they whipped him and they used the, the cat and nine tails that was ripping flesh off of him and then they placed that, that, that uh, crown of thorns on his head and, and those thorns are about an inch and a half, two inches long and they pressed it on his head and they were going down into the skin and the muscle and it was agonizing. It was so painful and he did it for us. He took on way more than anybody else has ever taken on during those punishments. He got everything that they had to offer. Most criminals only got maybe a whipping or a lashing or maybe was beat with a reed or something like that. But they unloaded on Jesus that day, and it was agonizing. And, and they wanted to make him, they wanted to humiliate him. That was their goal was just, let's just humiliate this man and kill him and get him off of our plate so that we can move on and forget about him. Let's get this man dead so we can move on. Frederick Farrer said, One thing is clear. The first century executions were not like the modern ones, for they did not seek a quick, painless death or the preservation of any measure of dignity from the criminal. On the contrary, they saw an agonizing torture which completely humiliated them. And it is important that we understand this, for it helps us realize the agony of Christ's death. Now, I, I don't typically put a title on my sermons. I don't know that I've, I've done just a handful of them where I've actually put a title on it. But this morning, and as I was getting ready for this yesterday, I thought about this. That's not all, church. If I had to put a title on this sermon this morning, it would be, That's Not All, Church. And that's how I want us to look at it. That's not all. It wasn't just the crucifixion that we're going to look at. There's more to it. The second thing we're going to look at is his suffering was an amazing display of compassion. The suffering that he went through, not just for me, but for each one of us. He had compassion for each one of us, and it was an amazing display of compassion. Long before Jesus was, was scourged and beaten and humiliated and abused the way that he was, uh, the prophet Isaiah wrote some words down. I'm going to read them because I absolutely love this. This is, uh, this is over in Isaiah 53. This is, I always say this. Every time I read it, I always want to make sure everybody knows this. This is the chapter in Isaiah that the Jews won't read because it, it talks about prophecy and about Jesus' coming. And I'm going to read the whole thing because it's, it's worthy to be read this morning. Isaiah 53 starts out verse 1. It says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as... As it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we've esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Last verse, verse 12 says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made an intercession for the transgressors. That was Isaiah. Sorry, guys. I'm still snotty. It's not allergies. That's Isaiah prophesizing. He is telling the world, this is what's coming. This is who God is going to send in your place. This is what you need to look for. Now, I want you to think about this. Listen to these words all right, that, that describe the suffering that Jesus endured. It says, despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, uh, was despised. He was uh, born of our griefs carried our sorrows, smitten of God, afflicted, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastisement, stripes, oppressed, afflicted, brought to the lamb, brought as the lamb to slaughter, um, judgment. He was cut off out of the land of the living. He was stricken. There's a lot of words there that Isaiah used to describe uh, the suffering that Jesus endured, and he went through so much. I mean, he was physically in a lot of pain. But emotionally, can you imagine what he went through? When anybody can get down and, and pray and be so burdened in their life and be so burdened uh, with what's going on, what's getting ready to take place, that you start sweating blood drops from your, from your face, you know that you're under a lot of stress, and it's a real thing. That really can happen. You can be under that much stress. We talk about living a stressful life. Man works awful stressful right now. Home life is awful stressful right now. Well, I guarantee you one thing, you ain't, you ain't sweating blood. You might be sweating in a little bit, but you ain't sweating blood like Jesus is sweating. He was under that much stress, under that much pressure. All of this that, that Isaiah was describing, he fulfilled that. Every bit of it, he fulfilled that. And all of this to, to display the compassion of God, that amazing compassion of God. He would have, he could have sent anybody. I've said it before, he, he could have sent a 100-year-old man, he could have sent a 5,000-year-old man. He could have sent anybody, but he decided that it would be best to send an infant. And not just an infant, but an infant son of his to, to die for us. What an amazing display of compassion God had for us. And that was to deliver us from eternal suffering. It was to deliver us from death. We all ought to be in hell right now, suffering. When we die and we leave this place, we all ought to be in hell. 
But God said, there's, there's another way. There's another option for you. And it's through my son. I sent him just for you so you wouldn't have to suffer. I sent him for you so you wouldn't have to worry about death. So that you wouldn't have to worry about the torture and the torment that would come with hell. So here's my son. Take him or leave him. Whatever you want, I'm going to leave it up to you. But he did die for you. You've got to make that decision. To deal with God's requirements for us to be in heaven for a perfect sacrifice and, and to pay the price for our sins, he had to make that sacrifice. He had to send his son to die on that cross for us. But it was just for a little while. Just for a little while. Just for three short days. And then he was back with us and 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 he got to experience a little touch of glory there. And then he, he got to tarry down here on earth with us for 40 more days. And we'll talk about the ascension in about 40 more days. But he was just here for a little bit longer with us. But God had to send him. He had to send him because he had compassion on us. He had compassion on his creation. If you go back and you look at all the stories of Jesus in the, in the gospel, Jesus was the most compassionate man that I have ever read about. He went, he went and was always with the sinners. He was always with the people that didn't have a friend. He was a friend of the friendless. He was always with them because he had compassion on them. He had compassion for the lepers. He had compassion for the prostitutes. He had compassion for the, those that were bleeding. He had compassion for the blind. He had compassion for the sinners. So he's just like his daddy. Jesus was just like his daddy, just like God the Father. He had compassion, and he had compassion for everyone that he came in contact with. Everybody that he was around, he was a compassionate soul. And that's what we're to be like. If we are to call ourselves Christians, if we are Christ-like, like Christian is, is, uh, is defined, we are to have compassion on those that are around us. We need to be more like him. But that's not all. That's not all. Number three, his resurrection was an awesome display of conquering. His resurrection was the most awesome display of conquering that we'll, we'll ever see. He paid for our sins. We know that. Yes, he did. He paid for our sins. He drank that entire cup of God's wrath. The entire cup, every last drop of God's wrath, he took it. Uh, his, that veil was, was ripped twain right down the middle, split from top to bottom. Uh, and the Lamb of God who takes away our sins of the world was the one that hung on that cross. The Lamb of the world, the one that took away our sins was the one that was placed inside that tomb. The Lamb of the world, the one that took away our sins is the one that stepped foot outside that tomb one day because he was alive. The lamb of the world that took away our sins is still alive. The lamb of the world that took away our sins right now is sitting beside the Father. Beside the Father. He suffered. He didn't just suffer. He suffered greatly. Again, they unleashed everything they had on him. That, their goal was to humiliate him the best that they could before he died. They took advantage of this opportunity to humiliate and to make a mockery out of him and to, to, to get him out and try to erase everything that has been said about or had been said about Jesus. All the miracles that he had performed, all of his teachings and everything that he went through and done, they were trying to erase that. They were trying to take it away, but it didn't happen. I believe it made him a lot stronger. And he died. He died a cruel, cruel death. 
I mean, just, just being on a cross, the suffering that took place with that, not just the piercings of his wrist and his, and his feet, but the suffocation that he went through, the thirst that he went through. I mean, you think about it, from the time that they went through that trial up until he, he died on the cross, he probably never had a drink, probably never had a sip of anything. You know, they put that, that, the vinegar on a sponge and on a reed and, and stuck it up there. But that, that's, that's bitter. You don't drink that stuff. He suffered for us. And he, he laid in that bar of tomb. And I, I always want to encourage you to remember that. He was not placed in just a tomb. It was a borrowed tomb. He only needed it for a few short days. Just a few short days. So he just... Joseph just let him borrow it. Here, you can have it for just a few days. Joseph didn't realize it at the time. But that's not all, church. The angel's announcement there in verse uh, 5 says it all. I'm going to read that one more time. Verse 5 says, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which is crucified. This earth-shaking, death-shattering, demon-destroying moment it is the crowning fulfillment of God's promise. He's not here. He told you what was going to happen. He's not here. It was the pinnacle. That was that moment. I cannot imagine that feeling that they got when they realized he's not here. And it's not the feeling that they got like, oh, no, somebody just stole the body. It's a feeling like he is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He is Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is, he was God on earth. He is who he said he is. This is a promise now that was fulfilled, a promise that God made way back in the Garden of Eden, way back in Genesis, uh, when he told Satan, Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That wasn't just some empty threat from God. That was a promise that God made us. It took him a, a few thousand years to fulfill that promise, but he fulfilled that promise. It was the first, we'll call it the first declaration of the gospel plan that, that has always been in God's heart. God has known since the beginning. Since in the beginning, God has known this, that this was going to take place. God knew that men and man and woman and child were going to be sinful. He knew it. I mean, he's seen what happened between uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. And from that point on, he said, these people are going to be sinful. And they got so bad that he, he sent the flood, wiped them clean, let Noah start, start fresh. But we're still sinful. Noah was still sinful. Them three boys are still sinful. Those three wives are still sinful. Four wives are still sinful. He knew that we were going to be sinful people. And he knew that we were going to need a Savior. So he knew that he was going to have to send somebody. He was going to have to send someone to take away that sin for us. Because this great, this great love, it wasn't just a love. It was an agape love. It was a God-sized love. Because of the love that he had for us, God's plan for all eternity had to be provided through his Son. For salvation. God's plan had to be provided through his son. First John 3 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, 
For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Now listen to this. It says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The Son, he says, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil, which is sin. That's the works of the devil. So God sent his only begotten Son to destroy all that sin that's in the world, all the sin that was back in his day, all the sin that's taking place right now in 2020, all the sin that's going to take place up until the rapture. He had to send somebody. He sent his son. He said here, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is alive, and he conquered death. He is alive, and he conquered sin. Jesus is alive, and he conquered Satan. Think about what happened when that stone rolled away. And them demons, and that devil realized we can't hold this man down. They may have thought that they had shackled him down by death. They may have thought that they was able to wrap him up in that, that death clothes, clothing, death cloth, whatever it is, death wrapping, and bound him down to that table that he was laying on. They may have thought that it was over with. They may have thought in their little brains that they had finally defeated God. But obviously, they didn't read 1 John and realize what was getting ready to happen. They didn't understand what was getting ready to take place, that they were going to be defeated. They didn't understand that they were going to be defeated. Folks, I don't think a lot of people in this world right now think or even know that we can defeat sin, but we can't defeat it on our own. We can't defeat it by ourselves. The only way for us to defeat sin is through Jesus Christ. The only way for you to defeat sin is is through the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to have Jesus as your Savior or you ain't going to defeat that sin. He died on the cross and was resurrected so that there was a way to defeat this sin because God had a plan. God had a plan from the beginning and it was His Son Jesus. That is the plan that He had for us and, he, our, and all He wants from us is for us to believe and put faith and trust in Him that's all he wants. He can't make us. He can't wave a wand and say, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved. Don't work that way. He says, here it is. Here it is. It's just like being at a, at a restaurant. That's the thing about when memory went to that Brazilian place down in, in Asheville for Christmas with the, my company. They come around with all that food, and they offer it to you. And it's totally up to you whether you want that piece or not. You can just wave them on, or you can take it. And that's what Jesus is, is offering. He says, here I am. Here I am. You can take it if you want it, or I'll just go on to the next one. You just turn me away. Here I am. If you want me, you can have it. We was trying to play it. Well, they played the instrumental a while ago. He rose. He rose. He rose. Hallelujah. Christ rose for you. He could have stayed. He could have. He had the power to either stay or come back, but because he arose, hallelujah, because he arose, we now have, we have an option. We have a way to get to heaven now. We have a way to get to heaven, or we can reject it and go to hell. He gave us that option now to get to heaven. What are you going to do with it? 
But that's not it. That's not all, church. Number four, fourth thing, his return will be an amazing deliverance for Christians. His return, not this return that we're talking about this morning, but his return when he raptures us back, when he comes back to get us, it's going to be an amazing deliverance. Not just deliverance, not just us going to heaven. It's going to be amazing what takes place when he comes back to get us. There's, there's coming a day when Jesus will return for his children. There will be a day. Again, he's told us that. We've read that in the Word of God. We know that there's going to come a day. We've been studying, or we, we were studying the book of Revelation. We were study, studying the book of Daniel. We know there's going to come a day when he's going to call his children home. We know there's going to come a day when we're going to go home and there's going to be a lot of stuff taking place down here on earth. And it's going to be a lot worse than just a toilet paper shortage. All right, it's going to be really bad stuff going on around here. His children ain't going to get to experience that. I don't want to experience that. But there are going to be people here that are going to experience that. I hope this morning, this Easter, this Easter morning, that there are all these people cooped up in their houses and they ain't doing nothing but just watching church services. And I hope it blacks out Joel Osteen. I'll just throw that out there. I want to see everybody, every home in America right now just stopping. Because normally this is the only time that they ever go to church is just today. Well, maybe they're taking advantage of it and they're, they're watching it on TV. They're watching it on their phones or whatever. And it's going to spur them on and say, as soon as those church doors open, we're going back. We're going to get started fresh. I, I, I want to see as soon as, as soon as this band's lifted and we can get back together and fellowship, I want to see not just this church, but I want to see every church up and down these roads packed. I don't want to see not one person sitting at home. I want to see empty homes and full churches whenever we're able to get back to church. That's what I want to see. I, I know that would please God. But there is coming that day when he's going to call his children home. And we need to be preparing for that right now. He, he promised that it would happen. And I'm going to go back into Matthew 24 for just a second. I'm going to read you some, something that Jesus said. Matthew 24, uh, verse 40 through 44. It says, Then shall two be in the field, and the one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known it in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. We don't know. But we've got to be ready like he's coming the next second. We've got to be ready right now knowing that if he comes within the next 10 seconds, I'm going home. We've got to be ready knowing that if he comes in the next 10 years, I'm going home. We've got to be ready knowing that if he doesn't come for the next 100 years, I'm going home. We always have to be ready. Be ready and be watchful. Waiting for that call. Waiting for that trumpet to sound. Just waiting. But we've got to be ready. But we've got to make sure that we're ready now. We've got to get ready now. We've got to prepare now. Whenever I would, would get deployed, at, at, when I worked at SP, we ha I had to be ready. At any given moment, we had to have little bags of stuff ready to go. Only thing I had to do was grab some extra socks and underwear and some and some clothes, but we had everything else was packed and ready to go. 
I had my, my chargers and my, my, my toiletries and everything was in a bag. Everything was ready to go. I grab it, socks and underwear, couple shirts and go. We've got to be ready at all times because we just don't know. Jesus himself, he don't even know when he's coming back. Only God the Father knows when he's going to come, when he's going to send his son to get us. Only God knows. And so we need to be ready, waiting for that sound, waiting for that trumpet to sound. Now, he's not coming back to take good people to be with him. That's not how God works. He's not coming back to take religious folks to be with him. He's not coming back to take all those who have their name on a church roll with him. He's not coming back here to take people who only have a, a biblical degree in theology back with him. That's not how he's working, folks. He is coming back to take his children with him. So you can do all this good stuff. You can do mission trips and you can go out and, and evangelize or you can do whatever you want to, but it's not about the works. See, all that stuff is works. Doing good things is works, and we aren't works-based. We don't, we don't work on a works-based faith. It, it's works after faith, not the other way around. We, we, are, we can't work our way to heaven. We can't do enough good stuff in this world right now to get ourselves to heaven. It's just faith. It's just putting our faith in him. That's what gets us into heaven. That's what makes us children is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ that we become his children. That's what gets us to heaven. We've got to always remember that. He will deliver us forever from this sinful world to, to live with him for eternity. He will deliver us, but it's not by our works. It's by his stripes. It's by his stripes that we're healed. That's what Isaiah is telling us. It's by his stripes. It's by putting our faith in that blood sacrifice that took place on that cross. It's by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we become those children. But it's only by that, not by works. So my question this morning for you is this, and I want you to think about it. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready for that day? We're not guaranteed another, another Easter. For folks that only come to church on Easter and Christmas, we may not have another Christmas. We might not be able to come back here next Easter. And you may, you may never be able to step foot in, the, in, a, in a church again. I, we don't know yet. We don't know what's taking place. But it, salvation doesn't take place in a church pew. Salvation doesn't take place at an altar. Salvation just takes place in your heart. So it doesn't matter where you're at for salvation to take place. Are you ready for that day? For that day when God stands and he says, go get my church. When he stands and says, go retrieve your bride, are you ready for that day? You know, what do we do for Easter? We're all getting ready for Easter. Well, we used to, <laughs> back before this Easter. You go out, you do your shopping, you're getting your, your meal stuff together, you're preparing to have a, a, a big feast with your family. Everybody goes and gets their nice new dresses. All the men get haircuts and a new tie. We're preparing. We're preparing for that Easter. Well, this year, there wasn't much preparation taking place for Easter. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that we're preparing ourselves right now for his return. Are we prepared for that day when he comes to get his bride? Are you prepared for the day when Jesus comes back to get the church?
Will you be one of the ones who will, will go to heaven when he returns? That's, that's another question. Will you be one of the ones that goes? Now, you gotta, I'll, I'm, I'm going to go back on this for just a second. I want you to, to hear me and, and hear me clearly, okay? If you say yes, what are you basing your answer on? If you say yes, I'm one of those that will go back, what are you basing that answer on? There's a few things that we're going to point out, and then I'm going to close here in just a minute. Are you basing that yes on your church attendance? I hope not. Are you basing that yes on your Easterly church attendance? Well, I went to Easter service all however many years I've been alive, so I think I'm good to go now. Are you? Are you? Are you basing that yes on good works? Are you basing that yes on your efforts to keep the Ten Commandments? That's a tough one. I mean, you think about the Ten Commandments, that's a hard one. There, there's a few in there that we all can say that we have broken. But are you basing your faith on trying to be a good person and keeping those Ten Commandments? Some people will go as far as to base that yes on their baptism. There's, that baptism, there, there's no power in that one. Baptism is just symbolic. It's just a symbol that you have asked Jesus into your heart. Don't base your, your, your baptism on salvation. Don't, just because you've been baptized doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. It's what happened prior to that baptism that we, need, we always have to remember, that salvation. We're just telling the world through baptism that I'm saved. Well, maybe, and I, and I know this was, some churches do this, and I'm not a fan of it, but I want to throw this out there because some people may have done this in the past. Maybe you went to a church, and you were bored, and you was going through where the hymn books are and the Bibles are, and you found one of those little cards, and you filled it out just out of boredom and said, yeah, I, I want to be saved. And you put your little name on it and the date on it and you, you, you read the prayer that's at the bottom on it. Don't base your yes on that little card. I'm not, I'm not a fan of prayer cards at all. I don't believe in these repeat after me salvations. It's out of your heart and it's with, the Bible says, with your tongue you confess, not by what somebody just wrote down for you. Don't base your yes on that card. Don't base your yes on, on anything other than what you confessed with your heart and with your tongue. That's the, only way that, that's the only way that you need to base your yes. Yes, I'm ready to go. Is on that day that you asked Jesus into your heart. Nothing else, no other works, nothing like that will get you in there. Only faith in him alone will make you ready for that day. Only faith in him alone. Not faith in, in, in anything else. Not faith in any works. Not faith... In anything that you may have sung, sung or done, just in him. That's all that matters. So ask, I'm going to ask you one more time. Are you ready for the day? Are you ready for that day? I know we're not in church, and, and it's okay to, to get down in your home right now and just ask Jesus to, to, to come into your heart. He's already in your home. Just let him in your heart. Are you ready for that commitment? We need to be ready. We've got to be ready for that day. Because we just don't know what, when it's going to happen. If you're suffering today, come to Jesus. If you're hurting today, come to Jesus. If you're struggling with conviction on your heart right now for something, maybe just, just, the, just the lostness in your life, just come to Jesus. That's all we ask.
Let's pray. Father, this morning, again, it's been good. It's been good to be able to, to read your word, Lord, to preach your word, Lord, to hear your word. God, I pray tonight or today as, as we close out the service, Lord, I pray that it, it not return void. God, my prayer this morning is this. If there be one in their home today that's heard this message, if there be one in their, their home today that is lost and undone, if there's one in their home today, God, that, that needs a sweet peace knowing that they're secure in their salvation, that they are secure knowing that when that day comes, that your son comes back to get us, that they'll return with him as well. Lord, I pray if the, today is that day that, that, that someone that hears this needs that salvation, that today they would ask you into their heart. God, we thank you so much for allowing us to be able to, to, to get this message out uh, online the way that we are. God, I pray that uh, you would bless the efforts of those that are behind the scenes that are, that are helping get this done, not just here at this church, but uh, around the world right now. Father, I pray that you bless those that are, are, are sweating this thing out, Lord, and going to their wits' end to, to make sure that the gospel gets out to those that are, that are at home. God, I pray you bless them for that. Lord, I pray that you would be with each one of these churches this morning as each one of us are doing our own thing at different times. Be with these men of God as they preach. Lord, I pray that you would give them great liberty today. Lord, I pray that you would give them uh, just, just great unction, great uh, power as they preach. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint each one of them, God, and just uh, allow them to, to forget about the things that are going on in the world today, Lord, and that we can focus solely on you and what took place on this day over 2,000 years ago, the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you, and we praise you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. Uh, Father, my prayer this morning is this, though. If there be one that needs you, Lord, I pray that this Easter morning that they come to know you. We love you and we praise you. I'll listen to your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, I hope uh, you have a, a blessed Easter, and uh, try to keep in contact with everybody if you can, and We'll be back uh, tomorrow morning around 6.30. Lord willing, nothing burns. I'll be back uh, to do devotions tomorrow morning at 6.30. Good day and God bless you.